Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. And all three of us have worked for just about every major publisher in the business. Together, we've published somewhere between 50 and 100 books, and we've all taught illustration at universities. Each week, we come at you with a dynamic and engaging new topic in illustration. We battle it out. Sometimes we agree. Most of the time, we argue. But each time, you will learn something new. Very good. Very good. All right, guys. Um, we've got three hot questions. Well, I, have, I, have one qu- I have one question before we get to the hot questions. Yeah. Are we at the point where none of us are using any prompts for our intro? You, I you wanted guys to have use one. Up? I wanted to use one, but I wasn't quick enough to pull it up. Oh, so that so was that was freestyle. It. I freestyled it. All right, nice. We're I had no progress, idea if it you was guys. accurate or not. <laughs> it took it took the what two and a half years for us to learn like five lines a piece. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have memorized. I was going to say, Will, that's the best I think you've ever done it. Done yeah, it was so smooth and, oh, and wow. very flowy. Very good. Didn't so overthink proud it. Of you guys you just wing everything from now on. Chicken wing. Uh, all right so let's let's dig into it i know we usually talk about what's been going on but i don't think much has changed since last time Mm -mm. so what's uh, what by the way what is the criteria for a hot question a hot question if it's uh if there's stuff to talk about when you when it's answered uh yes or no questions not hot um (laughs) true or false not hot do you like making art (laughs) true false yeah true false true (laughs) you like good brushes yeah we don't we don't do that we don't do lukewarm questions all right the first question comes from christy and she says do you have any advice on building a professional team around you I hear you often mention teams of editors and art directors, et cetera, but I wouldn't have a clue how to even start deciding whether I need these or where to find them. Unfortunately for this question, I live in Australia, so it may be different here, but even a general idea of where to start would be awesome. So I think Christy is might just be a, a little bit misinformed when we say, when we do talk about, you know, working on a book and our team that's working on it with us, of mm-hmm. editors, art directors, things like that. Um, that isn't a team that goes with you from project to project unless you are kind of exclusive to one publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all, of, in all of our careers, we've kind of bounced around between publishers and projects and, and different kinds of things. So we don't ever work with the same uh, same art director or the same editor or the same graphic designer on the books um, unless we go back to that same publishing house. And even then, it might be a different person assigned to work with us. But what do you guys, how do you guys understand that question when when she says, how do you build that team around you? What, what, what does that, what does that spark in you? Well, um, I mean, there's two, we've, we, on the podcast, we talk about two different types of work, really. We talk about commission work. Mm-hmm. I guess we also talk about gallery work sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. um, but then we also talk about personal projects that we maybe self-publish mm-hmm. and that could be a game or a book or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think when I, when I hear, heard her question, I, 
immediately think of the the, the last one where right. we're working on our own projects. But you're right. When we're working for a publisher, the team around you is pretty much the team that the publisher sets up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do we want to talk about I think I, th- well, I, I think, think what she's really saying, what she's really asking, is how do I even find these people at all? Mm-hmm. 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 Well, there's there's two ways I want to uh, approach that, or two I guess um, phases of answering this question. Number one is if you're going a pr- traditional route of working with a publisher, the team member that you're going to have control over is your agent. And that's someone that you're going to um, interview and they're going to interview you. You get And an interview is basically, you know, maybe you post COVID, you go out to lunch <laughs> or something like that, or it's a few phone calls and you just kind of kick each other's tires and see, is this a person I can work with? Because your agent is going to be someone who's going to tell you um, what kind of work uh uh, is is people are asking for. They're going to be the person interfacing with um, the editor and trying to sell your work and, and working on that contract. And then once you get those jobs, um, the team that's assigned to that book, like we were saying, is is usually from the publisher. So that's, so, so that's all you need to worry about there. And then as you get more experience and your career advances, you might hire an accountant. You might hire a lawyer um, to just, uh, you know, accountant to handle all the money that's coming in, all those millions of royalty dollars streaming in through the uh, through the mailbox, and then a lawyer to make sure that um, you know you're not taking advantage of. But uh, um, so that's that side. I think on a personal level. So if you're doing a Kickstarter or if you're doing any sort of personal projects, things like that, then when you get to the level where you can't do things by yourself, that's when you start branching out and finding people to to work with you. So let me ask you guys this. Do you have a team? If so, who are they and, and what do they do for you? I have a team, I guess. I never thought about it in that way, but I, mm-hmm. but I do. I have a team. Um, I've got a personal chef. That's first. <laughs> That's how I stay you so know, fit. Great illustration does, starts does Lisa know that you, in the uh, stomach. <laughs> does she, does she approve of that? And I've got a driver. <laughs> right. I mean, because you can't waste time driving. You should yeah. be drawing, right? I'm drawing in the back there, in the back of my stretch limo <laughs> with a glass up. Do not put the glass down. Mm-mm. Driver will talk to you. Please. Lee's got the glass up in one hand. He's drawn in the other hand. <laughs> Not painting. that glass. The glass between the driver and you. Oh, you can't. You can't have airspace. <laughs> no, no. In between, that, they'll that talk is. to you. They'll ask you what you think about the weather or something. No, um, right. no. I do have a team around me. Um, my my wife Lisa has been involved in my business from the get go, and she is amazing. She does. She handles all the orders and 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 mailings that have to go out from Etsy and from my personal website. Uh, and there's a, especially around Christmas time, that ends up being a daily run to the post office with multiple packages, multiple things, books and prints and cards and all this stuff. Um, so she's been amazing. And then I have a 
um, I have a real a, a literary agent as well, and that's for children's book stuff. I've kind of put a, the brakes on that for the next year or so, but I do have an agent when I decide to go back. And then I, I just hired my first assistant, and I'm just learning how to do that. And you'd think that would be an easy no-brainer, like the assistant just takes a bunch of stuff off the table for you, but it's hard because you have to actually train them on what to do and have to think about what she, what she's going to do when she's here. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'm learning how to how to be a part of that team. I'm not a very good manager. I'm disorganized. I'll need to go pick up my son from school and then I need to get these illustrations out. And then all of a sudden I realize she's going to be here in 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to scramble and give her, mm -hmm. you know, something to do and show her how to do it, which then takes, mm -hmm. you know, time away from me. I think eventually when I'm at the Jake Parker level, the assistant just comes in the background and you look really pro because they're like scrolling for something on your shelf and they pull it off and they, then they, then they slide out of frame. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I, Lee brings up a great point and that is, um, your significant other, your partner, um, that person, regardless of what they, um, of what their capabilities actually are, um, they're going to be s some part of your career. Either they're going to be uh, a, a support that that makes it so that you can do your work, or they're going to actually help you in it. Uh, in Lee's case, you know, Lisa handling orders and, and shipping things. Um, in the case with Allison, like this last few months, she's she's like just handled all my emails, um, outside of very specific ones that I can handle. But chances are, if you emailed me in regards to Inktober question or anything like that, like the, the reply came from her and sometimes she'll reply with her own name. And sometimes if it's from me, she'll, she'll say, Hey, what do you think of this reply? <laughs> Is that good? I say approve. You can put my name, <laughs> you can put my name on that. But, um, so you just want to make sure that the person you're you're partnered up with for life um, is someone who's on board with with your your career goals. And if that person doesn't understand what you do or isn't into it, it's gonna ju it's just gonna be a source of friction. It's gonna make mm -hmm. it harder. So I think that's step one: is make sure the person you decide to share your life with is cool with what you're doing or even helpful with it right um step two can i can I, before one, you get into step two can i add just a little little anecdote right there yeah it's a little funny story that um you know you you, you signing the um or, or giving the approval on the email <laughs> that your wife writes i get sometimes lisa will come she she sets all the books up in front of me when i have to she's wearing a mail a book somebody's ordered a book and i sign them and we have there's a little spot on our store and on Etsy where you say, oh, do you want a personal message? Well, lately, for some reason, and let me know if this happens to you guys, I'm getting these messages that are incredibly personal from the person who bought the book going to the person receiving it. So I'm writing a letter mm -hmm. like, uh, Tracy, it has been such a great 10 years with you. And then I sign my name. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's really weird. I've I don't know that. what to do there. From Jerry. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I sign <clears throat> their name. I don't know. It's really bizarre. So anyway, just a little yeah. side note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is step two? Step two is um getting an intern slash assistant, like what you've what you've got there. Um if you live close to any sort of uh, art program at a university level or even a good um, 
art program at a high school, it's a great resource to finding people who are wanting to make this a career um, for them to want to uh, to learn firsthand what a professional illustrator does. And so, um, and so I was, um, and, and I, when I lived in Provo, BYU is right there and they have a great illustration program, a great animation department, all that stuff. And they're always looking for students, um, looking for people that students will be able to go to and, and, and be taken under their wing. Right. And that's just a, a, a perfect way to like ease into working with someone instead of like straight up having a person hired on for, you know, 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week. And you've, you're, you're responsible for them to have a, a student who can come in and do a few hours every week. Um, and that usually for those two, you can work it out that they get student credit, uh, for that. Um, uh, there's some work on your part and that you need to fill out evaluation forms and, and do a, a review and things like that. But, um, so I would look into that. Um, if you're getting to the point where you cannot do everything that's on your plate, um, and, and there's just things on your to-do list that are being pushed back weeks upon weeks upon weeks, um, it, basically anything that, that you're doing that, a college student could do after, you know, one or two hours of training, you should hand that stuff off, you know, um, sh uh, printing prints, packing them up and shipping them, um, updates to your website, prepping social media posts, like all, there's all kinds of stuff that you can, you can hand off to it. And then as you work with them and as, as, this uh, understanding starts to happen. Um, you could decide whether or not to bring them on as a uh, assistant. If they like working with you, if you like working to them, then you could shift if, it into. If it's uh, for, I'm, if it's for the school, are that is that a paid kind of thing too? Or is that just so, credit? So usually this is how I always did it was um, I would, uh, it was usually 40 hours of work for a, for a credit. And, and, so I would work with them for the 40 hours for the student credit. They would get that for their class credit or whatever. And then after that, if I wanted to keep them on, then I would start paying them. Mm. Um, and, and so now, so at first it's like, essentially they don't have to pay for that credit that they're getting at school because they're work when they don't have to pay money, they're, they're working for it. And then after that, you know, it, it's, uh, it's some sort of agreed upon, Wage. So that could be that could be worth more than you would pay them anyway if the school is mm -hmm. an expensive school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I that's why it. it's usually a really good deal. And then paying them as assistant, um, you decide what's what works best. If it's um, you know if it's minimum wage, if it's a little bit more than minimum wage, um, something something like that. Um, and then I think step three. So as an assistant, you can just build up hours as it works out and you can bring on a second assistant. You could have assistant that does just shipping and handling. You can have assistant that does, just works in your inbox and handles communication. Um, you could, you could do all those kind of things. And then I think step three, and I haven't quite gotten to this point though. We've, we've done this with SVS is hiring on an employee. Uh, and with that, you want to make sure that you work with your accountant to figure out, um, 
legally what you need to do as far as hiring on a person, what kind of taxes that you have to, to pay or, or withhold or uh, setting up some sort of um, bill pay with them, things like that. Uh, so usually um, uh, an employee, I, I, I guess the distinction I would make between an assistant and employee, and there's different names for this. So assistant I see as someone being part-time. They're usually going to school full-time and they're putting in maximum 20 hours a week working for you. An employee is someone who works for you full-time and and you're you're responsible for their, you know, the majority of their income. Um, so if you're, if you're at that point, you're doing really good. You're, you're, whatever it is you're, you're making, it's bringing in a lot of money. So congratulations. And, uh, and maybe we'll have you on this podcast to give better <laughs> advice as to, as to what to do there. Let me, can I weigh in on this a little bit? Yeah, please. I was wondering okay. if you were going to ever say anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were doing so well. I know. I was talking too much. You're full. <laughs> No, I I concur with everything you've said, and uh, and I think that when when I first started, I had no concept of of doing anything but working with a publisher and their team. So it was always mm-hmm. me by myself, and the the employer saying, "Well, this is who you're going to be working with," and and when you get this finished, call this person or send this to this person, and and it was all directed. Mm-hmm. And you develop those networks, and then, and then um, later on, I worked on a few projects on my own with with, and then I got, I hired my brother in law or partnered with him to uh, make some ebooks, and he was a programmer. Then then the three of us started working together, and we became a team. So mm-hmm. I have different compartments of teams, and assistants, mm-hmm. and it's a really neat thing because the thing that I've realized more than anything else is. I am only really good at a few things. I'm just not my 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 talent stack is it, it's developed in some areas and less developed in others and I can get by. And when I did the the uh, little book, I had the opportunity to design it myself. I mean, I, was, I knew what I wanted. I wanted one mm-hmm. image per page. And I thought, well, there's no design work there. Mm-hmm. It's just an image on each page. But then as I started thinking about the the you know, the front matter of the book and the forward and the afterward and all the the text that goes on the book i realized i'm not a graphic designer and <laughs> if i if i hire a graphic designer then it's just going to look that much better and it did right. right so i hired i found this uh, woman named marilee nelson who's just an amazing designer mm-hmm. i needed to get it edited so i found kim mcpherson who was actually one of our um who was taking classes at SVS and she reached out to me like, Hey, do you have an editor? I've edited for Kaplan McGraw Hill and that's what I do. And we worked out a, in fact, I worked with her before that on, Mm -hmm. on the PDF for the children's book class. But so then I've kept these people and added people to them. So now I've got a marketing guy, um, Ian Nelson, Mm -hmm. Uh, and no relation to Marilee Nelson <laughs> and uh, a printer mm-hmm. who is kind of a broker who now Lee, you're looks like you're going to be working with her too. That's mm-hmm. Lauren. Yep. Um, and now I have a, an audio book guy, Aaron, who I'm working with, mm-hmm. um, who knows. You doing an audio book. Yeah. And, and so just recently 
we chose, we put it out uh, for audition and had uh, 50 replies of people that were interested in reading my book. Dude, you'd be the best voice for that. These are the best of times. These are the most of times. You know what's weird is is (laughs) we we got, the first guy that read, uh, we got a sample from him and it was way too formal. And then we, we got, we narrowed, we got 10 more samples from 10 different voice actors and narrowed it down to three and or four. And I couldn't pick, I, mm. I'm like, I like them all. And I, and I, you get to a point where I think you, you need to say, uh, maybe I'm not even the right person to pick mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm. what do I know? I'm not the, I'm not the user. I'm not the end user. Is James Earl Jones one of those people? (laughs) How do you know? (laughs) Um, And and then I have, so I have, um, you know, I have this guy, Aaron, now who's putting that whole thing together. I don't have to do anything for the audio book. I have to pay more money. You know, I have to pay money to these people, but they're going to make the product so much better Mm -hmm. that I'll end up making more money in the long run because the product isn't going to suffer quality. I'm not going to make dumb decisions. I'm not going to fumble around. Um, I've got Wayne as my, my shipping guy for post, um, post Kickstarter campaign, who's going to do all the drop shipping for me. And that's really the way to, to set it up. I mean, it's well, scary you, at first because you're thinking to yourself, well, I could, d- I'll save the money and do it myself. Yeah. In the long run, you're probably going to just ruin your product. If you guys <laughs> ever um, read that book called Deep Work, which me and Jake have both highly recommended, mm-hmm. the, the idea there is opportunity costs. Everything that you say yes to means you say no to something else. And if you're yeah, saying mm-hmm. yes to packaging a bunch of books together or right. prints, that's not a good use of, of your time at all. Um I want to speak to the every every man. That's my that's my um, skill set and forte. You guys talk to the high end illustration <laughs> career person because I could hear a bunch of our listeners thinking, "Okay, this is great. This is this is really a conversation that's mid level illustrator and up where you're yeah, starting well, to they, you know they need to hear advice too sometimes. No, they absolutely do. But I speak for the every man. Okay, it's just my, <laughs> my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think one of the best teams you can have around you early in your in your career and even when you're in school is really developing a good core group of peers where you can share techniques, you can share mm. resources, you can even help help each other out in this same way. Um, you know, if somebody has a big show coming up, hey, can I help you for a day? Can I help set up your booth? And I mean, that stuff goes a long way. And you can trade out that labor for free. And it gives you this just great resource to uh, bounce, you know, job specs off of, hey, this person wants to pay me this much for a book cover. Would you do it? And, you know, you get this great. I had seven people in when I was in school that we had, you know, just a weekly meeting. We'd all come together. We'd show work. But then we'd also talk about, oh, hey, here's here's where I got these post- postcards printed and the printing was terrible or, or the printing was great or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we'd all kind of rose together. Mm. That's cool. That's a, that's a, that, that would be like level one peers. <laughs> level two would be you know, um, your, your, your life partner, your spouse, the people who are forced to work with you, mm-hmm. people are forced to be, you know, get them, get them going. They know how to type on a keyboard. <laughs> no. Um, then, then the intern assistant, then the employee. And, and we didn't actually talk about, we'll actually got into there, but we didn't specifically call it, but like your partner, a partner, a business partner, essentially, mm-hmm. 
and that's that's where you two are bringing something in, uh, exclusive to the table. You know, there's very little. Maybe there's some overlap, but but one person has a specialty or an expertise, the other person has the other one, and then you split the profits. You know, um, it's going to be certain percentage goes to you, certain percentage goes to me, 50-50, whatever. And, um, and that's, uh, that's another team member, a part of your team helping you to, um, to make manifest this vision that you, that you have. So, all right. I feel like we answered that question. Yep. Good. Let's move on to the next one. This is from Josh. He says, I'm an aspiring digital artist. My goal is to become a full-time freelancer, freelance illustrator to make a living with the art. I'm reading this question too, and I'm I'm thinking we may have answered this already in a podcast before, but if we have, apologies, we'll probably still have a different answer this time. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's just contradict ourselves. So he says his goal is to become a full-time freelance illustrator to make a living with art. What five major moves made the most difference for you in moving your art forward to the point that you can mm. become a full-time artist? Wow. Five, five. Major, moves. major moves. Yes, I've got my five. I'll, well, I'll go ahead and go through those. And thanks guys, for prepping us, by the way. We got, yeah, we, we got can now scramble. <laughs> okay. And uh, and while I'm doing that, you guys you guys think of yours. It might be same, might be different. But number one move that I made was doing professional work, professional level work, even though it was for like my own jobs that I created. So work's not coming in. Nobody knows about my artwork. Nobody knows that I'm an artist. How am I supposed to get these jobs? How am I supposed to make a freelance career? Well, I'll give myself an assignment. And so what it started out for me doing was comic book stories, comic stories, short stories, 10 pages, 20 pages. And my goal was to make them as professional looking as you know what you'd see on on a bookshelf, right? In a graphic novel. And that meant I got books on how to do comics. I learned how to letter. I studied, you know, other comics on storytelling, all those kinds of things. And I started making comics that were professional grades, you know, at least they looked that way in my eyes. Um, and, and it seemed to be in others eyes too, because it started to get, to get noticed from the right, the right people. So, um, so you decide what it is you want to get into and what you want to do and start making those things, even if it is your own assignment. So if you want to get into concept art for film or animation or video games, make up a video game and start doing, you know, a portfolio of concept art for that, right? Second thing was um, making a professional website. And that was, um, it, it was a way so that when people Googled my name, Jake Parker, that's what came up. And, and I started doing this before social media, but I think it's just as applicable now. You don't want someone... Um, uh, you know, searching for the type of artwork that you do and not being able to find you. And so a website, whether you're doing blog posts on it or you're adding artwork to it and your, your about page, all that kind of stuff, it just makes it searchable. And anytime that you can on all your social media or whatever, just link back to your website. Um, uh, and so, uh, 
And so having a professional website is just carving out your own spot that you own on the internet that someone who's looking to hire you can go to. They can cut through all the posts on social media that don't matter and just see, okay, this is this person's work and here's, you know, here's their best stuff and here's what they're doing. So that's that. Number three, um, I started treating social media as a job and not just as like a diversion. And so what that meant was planning out, okay, uh, I'm going to post five days a week. Um, on Mondays, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a sketches. On Tuesday, it's going to be the final drawing. On Wednesdays, it's going to be, you know, posting something that uh, maybe it's not artwork, but it's something that I'm interested in or into. Thursday, it's going to be a throwback, so older work. And Friday, it's going to be fan art or something like that, you know? Um, and when I started treating social media like a job and taking it seriously and, and engaging people and responding to comments and all that stuff, my social media started to grow. People saw that I was, um, I think, more professional than just someone who's, you know, casually posting whatever they want. Okay, number four, what really helped me in my freelance career was kickstarting something, making, running a Kickstarter. And I kickstarted a book because what you're doing there is you are responsible for everything from the start to the finish of a project. You are responsible for creating the idea, for selling it, for producing it, for delivering it. And all of that teaches you everything you need to know about what all the professionals are doing um, that you will be working with in the future, whether it's video games or publishing or anything like that. All those people are used to shipping products, right? And there's different departments that handle it. But when you take part in that, even if it's small, even if, you know, 100 people back your project, you still learn a ton. You learn how to sell yourself. You learn how to make something look sellable and, and how to deliver a, f a finished thing. So, um, so making some sort of finished product kickstarting it, something like that. And then the last thing that I, uh, of these five that, that are requested that made the difference in moving my art from, you know, being amateur Jake to being professional Jake was starting an online shop. And really what it was, was taking, um, you could easily take the thing you kickstart or something smaller that isn't kickstarted and just putting it in your shop and selling it and, and again, it, it teaches you some of the same things that the Kickstarter does, but it's a little bit more of a slow burn. Kickstarter happens all in, you know, the span of five to six months, but a, a shop is, you know, there for the entire year, for many years. And in order to keep it going, you know, set yourself a goal that you're going to make a certain amount of money each week with it or amount of money each month. You're going to start feeding it and you're, you're going to be doing things in your work that helps the shop uh, look more professional and look, I guess, better represent what, what it is that you do as, a, as an illustrator. So those are my five things. Do you guys have anything you want to add to that? I got five. I got five. Go ahead, Lee. I, my five will cancel out your five. My five are really <laughs> the five you're going to want to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, they're similar to what Jake was saying in the beginning, especially, but, um, five very specific things. Um, one of them was as I was leaving school, but junior, senior level, um, I started to drive the work to a very particular area of illustration. 
And I think the highlight there is when you're in school, you're taking so many different classes, you get pulled in all these different directions. And you really do at some point have to say, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And this is where the work needs to needs to focus. And and so that was a big deal for me. It's like drawing that line in the sand, like I'm doing, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it happened to be children's book kind of stuff. Um, and then once I had that track, number two for me was finding the people who need that kind of work. And so I'm creating something and then finding the market for it. And, and that needed to be really a specific group of people. So that comes to my number three, which was advertised to those specific people. And I did that in a two-tier approach. I had my top 100 and they got generalized mailings. And then I had my top 20 and they got custom made, handmade stuff, um, expensive packages that I put all handmade stuff. And those are the people that I really wanted to work with. And that made a huge, massive difference in my career. That one thing, those 20 people made the biggest difference because I tailored it to them. It wasn't just an email or, or a postcard. These were handmade books and stuff like that, even you know, with original drawings in there. Um, and then uh, I ch at, once I advertised to those people and met with those people, I then went, came back to my studio and I, the whole goal was changing out my work regularly and often. And so if it was, at that point, my whole portfolio was changing like probably every six months, every image would, mm -hmm. you know, every six months, all, all new. And, uh, and that was a big deal to start to really understand media and, and kind of come up with my own quote unquote style that happens when you're doing a bunch of work. And I didn't have a lot of client work coming in. So I had the freedom to, you know, go through that a lot. And then lastly, once I had my target audience and my work and I'm changing out my work and portfolios, things are starting to move forward and they're moving forward slowly. Um, I had a second and third option of making income while this slow burn was happening with children's book illustration. And that just speaks to having a good foundation. I did architectural rendering and I taught, I taught portraiture and figure drawing uh, for those first couple of years. And, um, and that really made the difference in, in, in providing a um, safety net while the children's book stuff kind of got going. Cool. Boom. Cool. Five. Man, you knocked those out. Yeah. Will. You did pretty goodly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I got six because I had Ooh, to. Ouch. You know, you know Show off alert. You know what? I'm not going to really spend a lot of time because you guys pretty much covered everything. I'm just going to reiterate. I think we have a lot of overlap. Um, the first thing I did that was significant when I got out of school was I got scared <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted to be a freelancer and I didn't know what to do. So I set up lunch appointments with three of my teachers and, and went over with one guy went over to his house and, and just picked their brain. Like what now? <laughs> All the questions that should have been answered in school, mm -hmm. which is why I wrote the book, what they don't teach in art school. Oh, this is but, just a plug for your book. No, shameless, no, shameless drift. No. Forget I said that. <laughs> See if you can wipe that. We'll out. edit that out. Yeah, just edit that out. Um, Forget I ever mentioned what they didn't teach you in art school. Stop. If you stop saying what they don't teach you in art school, then people will be able to forget it. Okay. So setting up, uh, basically networking was the first thing. Second one, I redid my portfolios. You. You talked about Lee, mm -hmm. um, completely redid what I had done in school, gave myself assignments that looked like they could be for actual jobs so that art directors would look at the work and say, oh, who is this for? And 
you know, or they didn't ask and they just thought it was for someone else. It had a student portfolio really looks like you, like you're just barely out of school and it looks like you haven't been working. You really want to create that illusion that you're getting work. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I made sure that I always was working on a project. If I didn't have a freelance assignment, I gave myself a freelance. I always, always had something. I had friends that when they didn't have any work, they just went off and played. And I'm like, I remember thinking we suck as artists. We're not good enough to go have time to play right now. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So the first five or 10 years, I really just put my head down and really worked. And didn't do a whole lot else. Um, I you don't have to do this as much today, but I spent a lot of money on advertising um, early on. But I think mm-hmm. that the spending money, I had to spend thousands of dollars on ads for you know in the the source books, which are defunct now. We've got the internet, but in getting ready to spend thousands of dollars on my art to advertise my art, I worked so hard to make mm. the images that were going to go on those ads. Because I really was putting my money where my mouth was, you know. That's a and good point. To, today, you have, I, I hear students complaining about website costs. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's right. really cheap compared to where we were. <laughs> you know, uh, one one page ad in workbook was like 2500 bucks, $3,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, spread, I bought a spread a couple of years in a row for about $6,500. Um, wow. you have to have, you have to be making money to, to spend that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, a, it was a gamble. I mean, it hurt to send that money out and to hope that it came back. Well, and it did, but putting, you know, putting your money out there really forces you to focus and really forces you to commit. Um, getting a rep was, you know, I, I really worked on sending images out and trying to attract a rep. I think that really had a big impact on, on my career because when I did get one, I started getting a lot more work. So it really just expanded my, my, uh, income. And then the last one is, is prospecting for illustration in places that aren't necessarily obvious. Mm. There, there are a lot of places out there that will hire illustrators that I don't know about Mm -hmm. that other people know about that. They're, they're little secret clients, you know, that they've, they've gotten, and that comes through hard work that comes through doing research online. I mean, putting feelers out there, um, sort surfing back up, swimming back upstream from a product. Where did this product come from and where did the illustration come from for this product? And how did that illustrator get that job? Oh, it came through a design firm and making phone calls and finding out how did, how did this illustrator get this job? And who did they send their work to? I want to send my work to those people. That's hard to do because you've got the, you've got the, uh, the little voice in your ear, the resistance voice saying, you're wasting your time. This is going to be, you could be watching TV right now. You could be playing video games, but instead you're, you're on this wild goose chase trying to find clients. And it's a fight that is worth fighting. You have to silence that voice, but you have to get out there and and find work where your friends are going to go. Well, how in the world did you get that job? Mm-hmm. You know, and you got can, it because you worked really hard to to find it. Do you? And, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you have an example of 
and it's not like it's that. it's defunct right now but yeah i mean we so the 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 main story that i think of there was a friend of mine john barry who's an, also an illustrator and myself we were looking for more magazines to work for and the reason i say it's kind of defunct now is because magazines are pretty much right. all gone out but there are other opportunities right now that would be just like this but basically um I can't remember how we found it, but we stumbled across a, a source that they uh, have in libraries called SRDS. Have you guys ever heard of that? Mm-mm. So, so, and I can't remember exactly how we found it. Someone else mentioned it, and then we went researching. I know someone else told us about it, but what it is is it is a, it's like a like remember the old telephone books, right? In telephone directories. It was like a telephone book printed on newsprint. And it was a bunch of them for, um, for anyone who wanted to advertise their product Mm -hmm. in in newspaper, magazines, radio, TV, and there were a few other outlets. And so, and the magazines were split into consumer magazines, trade magazines, and um, institutional magazines. And there was a book for each one of those. So there was a book for TV, a book for radio, a book for um, trade magazines, a book for... Mm-hmm. And we were really specifically interested in the trade magazines because then they had magazines like Hospice Magazine. Well, can you even imagine there's a magazine yeah. for hospice, right? Yeah. And the circ- and this book would tell you who the art director was and their phone number, mm-hmm. who the publisher was, the circulation... Uh, it t- told you all the stats on how to contact them so that you could say, Hey, I want to buy an ad in your, in your magazine or on TV or radio or whatever. And the subscription to this was updated every month. So every month you threw away all those books and you got another set, but it was $700 a month. So you couldn't Sounds afford it yourself. So archaic. <laughs> it is, but libraries would pay this $700 a month subscription to SRDS and we went there and we found this gold mine and we were, we couldn't believe it. we were like, so me and John Barry, we, we went in um, like three different Saturdays and we just, we just, we, I mean, we didn't even have a laptop. We just hand wrote down <laughs> art director's names, the address, the name of the magazine, the art director's name and phone number and the address. And we just spent hours doing this. And we ended up, we, we made search criteria that was, um, if it had circulation under 25,000, we eliminated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was one of our big ones. Um, but we just mailed to everybody. We, we got 500 names, 500 different magazines from doing that on like three different Saturdays. And we both were like, this is, is this, if this turns out to be a colossal waste of time, mm-hmm. at least misery loves company. And we got to go out to lunch each time, you know, and, yeah, and, and it turned out to be the opposite. We had, so much work coming from those magazines and the art directors would say, I just started, you know, I just got a postcard from you and (laughs) I, I don't get postcards from any illustrators. So this is interesting. I've always had to go hunting after (laughs) illustrators and, uh, but would you be interested in working for our magazine? And the reason we knew it worked so well that we were getting them from that was we were getting calls from the same art directors. So we were getting on different months, we would get jobs from the same art directors. Yeah. And we got, I mean, that's what really made 
that that launched me into the stratosphere as far as income. I was doing 15 to 20 editorial illustrations a month for different magazines. Wow. Um, and, but, but, um, that, that, that opportunity has gone, but there's others that, that have Mm -hmm. emerged, you know, and where I hear of illustrators getting jobs from places and I'm like, how in the world did you find that? Mm -hmm. You know? So, so it really comes down to being aware, I think, and being innovative and not being afraid to ask. You can only be told no. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's illustrative of, uh, what, kind of like outside of the box thinking can do for you and yeah. also how things have changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I bet there's I mean there's millions of websites now, you know. Right. And and some of them might have budget. Well, and there's right? tons of startup companies that are making games and and making yeah. books and making all sorts of things that need illustrators and um my my theory though now i see the opportunity sh- and i've we've talked about this a lot i see a lot of the opportunity that has shifted into being able to hire yourself and make your own um project like you know we talked about in the last podcast lee's gonna make mm-hmm. this this deck of tarot cards um and mm-hmm. you know and i've got this game that i'm working on in fact i'm making t- later today i'm making multiple decks to give to different um uh, game groups that are going to do some testing for me right know? um and i want to test it yeah I'll, I'll send you a deck if you guys will play it i'll send you one send me something yeah um but uh but yeah i see i see uh, a lot of the problem with some of the startups now is they really don't want to pay much now that's not a problem um if your expenses are are low and you you want to really get work and you want to cut your teeth um, on real projects. You know, um, for me, I see some of the budgets that I'm being offered and I'm like, I'd rather I have the money and I have the time to work on my own thing. So rather than work on your thing for this little amount of money, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say no and work on my thing. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I would have jumped at the opportunity to work on some of these smaller projects, Yeah, smaller um, independent they're not, I, I mean, at what point are you not an indie publisher? Mm-hmm. You know, what makes you go from indie to an established company? You know, I get right. calls from people sometimes who have a game company, but really they're just running out of their house, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but they do have titles and they have, they're selling on Amazon and stuff. And anyway, well, that leads me perfectly into this last question. If you guys are ready. This comes from Michael. He says, what are your views on being a contributor to to the website Fiverr.com, in parentheses, and under freelance artist directory? Would you suggest it as a way to get experience? Are there pros and cons of either avoiding it or going ahead and being part of that community? Um, And so I've got some answers, but I want to just throw that out to you guys. Have you guys ever had experience with Fiverr.com? I did a little research. There's solidgigs.com, there's upwork.com, there's freelancer.com, there's guru.com. And all of these are essentially different platforms where you make an account on there, you offer your services and people who need that searching for them can, um, can hopefully hire you to do a job for them. 
Um, but do you, are you familiar with Fiverr? Do you know what it is? Have I thought that was it? a I thought that was a sort of a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. That was my impression of it. That it's like a lot of work for the absolute minimum, and you're basically just trying to un- undercut people. Man, it's, it's <laughs> someone. Building a, uh, <laughs> someone building a birdhouse in the background there. Dude, hold on. <laughs> Maybe we come back to, I, I, during the day, it's literally empty here and I'm not kidding. There's like 10 people right outside our door. <laughs> Just chatting. You know, you can conjure the- an ambulance. You can conjure, uh, the lawn mowing crew. You can conjure. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, all, you know, All you have to do is to record a podcast. Door. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I swear to God, the, the last two months I could have recorded any day at any hour for the most part, <laughs> except for on like Saturday morning, and I'd be fine. And then they're they're like wheel, wheeling product in and out. Is Wait, it the Wayne film and I, crew? God. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne and I used to say that um, when you'd uh, whenever we'd go hiking. Mm-hmm. If we ever got lost in, in the wilderness, because we'd go way out there sometimes, if we ever got lost, all you'd have to do is need to use the bathroom and you'd produce a jogger out of nowhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is so good. That is so, so good. I, th- I think Fiverr has been around now, I want to say, five, ten years. I don't know. It's it, it, it's uh, It's been, it's gone through phases. And I think now what it is, is you, um, jobs start at $5, but then if you're the right person for the job, it goes up, you know, you, you'll, you'll end up being paid more. There's tips. They encourage everybody to tip. So say you do get it for really cheap. Um, they encourage, you know, tip your guy 50 or a hundred bucks, uh, and uh, and so there's there's ways to make money where it's less taking advantage. But my I'll, I'll run through my initial thoughts on this and then get your guys' thoughts. Number one, when you go through Fiber, you make an, a, an account on there. I would say the pros for this are getting exposed to lots of different work opportunities, like Will was saying. Um, you don't know what's going to come down the pipeline and apparently how Fiverr works. I myself have never used it, but just reading up on it, um, you make an account, the jobs come in, you, you, you're automatically hired and you're on the hook to do those jobs. So it might be someone, you know, I need a logo design. I need a spot illustration. Um, I need something like that. And so you have to deliver that, um, in a certain amount of time, 24 hours, 40 hours, whatever, whatever the time is. And, um, if you don't, um, you know, you get lower feedback on that, which lowers your score for when people are looking for illustrators, you know, it helps them decide if they want to go with you or not. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of grinding. There's a lot of like, you're on the hook for stuff. You got to get in there and do it, but it seems like a really good way to, um, get some experience and, and get some assignments. That's the pros. And, and I, I would say get some income. I mean, you do get paid. Those are the pros. The cons are you don't get paid much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fiverr takes a 20% commission. That's, that seems like if, if it's a $5 job, you did it for $4. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, if it's uh, if they tip you a hundred bucks, you only get eighty bucks of that, 
And from what I understand, Fiverr also only uses um, PayPal uh, to, to, to transfer money. And so then you're also going to be paying PayPal fees as well. And mm. that's usually 2 3%, something like that. So you're not going to, you're not going to be making a lot of money doing this. Um, the other thing is you are at the mercy of, of like Fiverr's guidelines. They're, they're closed garden, I guess what it is, is when you are um, a community there or when you're part of that community, there's rules that you can't contact people outside of Fiverr. Um, you, you, you know, you can't use Fiverr. Fiverr is like a way to find jobs and then go off and and do jobs with those people that aren't brokered through through Fiverr. So that's something that just seems like um, uh, uh, almost an, an, uh, a handicap to what you're already trying to do, which is a hard thing, and that's getting work right. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then once you once you are um, Working, um, there's a lot of people who have said that Fiverr, uh, that people can be hard to work with. So you might get an assignment, you know, and spot illustration of a girl with a balloon. And then you'll contact the person and say, okay, you know, how old is the girl? You know, what color is the balloon? They don't get back to you. Um, you know, you, you, you might have other questions, they won't get back to you. And then pretty soon the deadline's up and you didn't get any further feedback. So you don't know if the thing that you created is something that that they wanted or something that's way off the mark and that's going to affect your score on fiverr which is going to you know make it so that you can't get as many jobs um there's problems with getting discovered on fiverr doing enough work to like like build up and i'm using fiverr but it seems like the same with all of these things um essentially i think your job as an illustrator is to Build a business around your work that is independent of platforms. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say not just mm-hmm. Fiverr, but even social media, even, um, you know, f- forums or places like ArtStation, things like that. So that if any one of these platforms, you know, if, if some one day Facebook is looking at the numbers and they're realizing, you know, Instagram is actually losing us money now, we're just going to shut it down, you know. January 1st, um, Instagram shuts down and you've got, you know, 20,000 Instagram followers on there. What are you going to, you know, who's going to see your work after that? So, Mm -hmm. so try to build a platform for your business and for your customer acquisition that, that isn't solely dependent on any one of these platforms. No, that's kind of my overall advice with stuff like that. Okay. Here's mine. Okay. On Fiverr, it's Fiverr or any of the others. It's um, that basically every one of us as artists have a number of bad paintings that we have to get out of us before we can start doing really good work. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't care how you do that, but you you have a long road of of bad work that you have to do. If you're not disciplined enough to give yourself assignments to get that bad work out, mm-hmm. like like all the time, I there's so many there's so many people that will go online and say you should never work for Fiverr. But I think that that they're you know or 
or work for substandard fees, but I think that they're not seeing the big picture. And the big picture is you've got to get a lot of work done. Mm -hmm. So if you get paid five bucks or whatever it is for your work, and I know that on Fiverr, you can make a lot more than five bucks. Um, there's creative ways of, of pricing of, of getting more money, but, but basically, um, you got to get that workout. So sure. Get paid. The thing that it'll do is if you go on Fiverr and you get screwed over or you end up working with bad clients, it'll help you to appreciate good clients too. <laughs> You'll be able to, you know, I mean, like when I had a friend once who said, you should always figure out a way to say yes to your kids hmm. because you can make it their problem, right? Mm -hmm. When they come to you for, to ask you for permission to do something. Yes. Like, can I, can I, uh, I don't know. Can I go motorcycling with my, my friends, even though I've never been motorcycling? Before? Yes. If you, um, if you buy your own health insurance, if you, you know, if you, I don't know, but you know, like, but figure out a way to say it. So I'm trying to figure out a way to say yes to doing Fiverr, which is look at the upside because everything mm -hmm. we do in our career is a learning opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we learn from it yeah. and, but my, my biggest advice is you got to get that bad workout. Yeah. I had, I'm affected because we're getting ready to move. I have been going through my old paintings that I've been carrying around forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and every time I move, I get rid of more of them, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I, and there's just so much bad stuff and I'm got rid of the worst stuff before, but hundreds and hundreds of paintings of physical paintings, not digital, but physical they were just so bad. And I've even had people saying, you should have given it to me. I, I would have loved to have had a wheelchair. Not these that I'm talking about. These were the so bad uh, stuff that I did for uh, magazines, you know, decades ago that were just. One of those magazines that had 26,000 um, uh, circulation. <laughs> circulation, <right>? yeah. <laughs> it just barely and, made the cut. Oh, they were so bad. And um and but I had to do those. And I think everybody has different numbers. Some people, I think I had more bad paintings in me than most. Um, but either way, you've got to be doing a, a large body of work in order I to get I could good. see that. I could see how you'd have. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm out of time. No. It's so, I can't, I mean, looking at your stuff now, it's like, um, it's hard hard to believe that there was that phase in your career where like you have such a strong style, you have such a command of color and just working digitally to know that you were once a traditional painter and that's all you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and did it poorly. crazy. I think, I think that's too, that's something I've been thinking about too. <clears throat> this is so totally tangential, but if you're young, if you're in your twenties right now and you're, figuring out, you know, what am I going to do? You have so much, uh, so much time ahead of you, so many years. And if, if you're smart about it and you're, and you're putting in the work and the, and the time, you could have three different careers, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you could have a career as, as an illustrator and then transition into 3d, um, art and then transition into sculpting, you know, something like that. And, uh, and 
there's just so much opportunity now for people who have somewhat of a vision, can execute, and have good work ethic. Um, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. I know Lee we, Lee was telling we, us he's got construction going out, full on construction yeah, now. There's a jackhammer. Pleading, pleading text going. I'm still here, but I'm so. here, guys. I just have to have to be under the radar for a little bit. <laughs> You're lucky. So, Get whatever words you want in now, because I'm gonna stop talking for a little bit. Did you bit. want to add anything to Fiverr while while it's quiet? I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, all right well let's wrap it up i i think we i think we we filled our time and hopefully did something valuable to someone out there so i'm going to take us out unless there's anything else you guys want to add okay well there's one the thing that we were this podcast is sponsored by some random company you want to talk about who that is yeah like always, Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com, where becoming a great illustrator starts. If um, you're wanting to pursue a career in illustration, um, and, and you, or if you're just wanting to level up as an artist, do check out the courses on there. Um, you could try it out, kick the tires for free for a certain amount of time when you sign up. And if it is something that you're into and, and you're learning and you're getting any sort of value out of it, um, the subscription is, is, is not, <laughs> not bad. I think it's uh, $29 a month for, um, for access to over 80 different courses, access to our foundations, which are, um, uh, like this, this hand-picked curriculum to help you build a portfolio, uh, a portfolio that can get you work. So, um, so go over to svslearn.com, check it out. Um, and there's a bunch of cool stuff for people who become subscribers that is available only to subscribers. One in particular we've been talking a lot about lately is Critique Arena. And we just finished up... Um, uh, Critique Arena is where we do a prompt every month and people get to submit illustrations based on that prompt. And then we pick out of all those submissions, we pick 16 to be in a final, like um, a bracket competition. And then the subscribers to SVS Learn come to Critique Arena and they actually vote who moves up, who wins. So we put two illustrations next to each other. We critique both of them. And then you as a subscriber, get to pick which one wins out of those two. And we narrow it down each bracket until there's two left. And then those two um, get a one, they've got a portfolio piece. Now they can add to their portfolio that's vetted by professional illustrators and the community. And two, we give them a job offer to do an illustration for our podcast. Uh, so if you go to svslearn.com and click on podcast, you can see all the illustrations done by um past winners of critique arena and we just did this last um just in december we did critique arena all-stars so we took all the winners from the previous critique arenas and had them challenge each other to see who the the best of the best was and that was really cool to see how that went uh, when um how that panned out anyways um your hosts to this podcast have been will terry lee white and jake parker um go follow us on instagram uh will terry can be found at will terry art 
Lee White can be found at Lee White Illo, and I can be found at Jake Parker. And you can also visit our websites. Will Terry's website is willterry.com. Lee White is leewhiteillustration.com, and mine is mrjakeparker.com. All right, podcast is produced by Daniel Tu. That's Daniel T-U, and you can find him at daniel2.co. And uh, our uh, SVS Learn is also um, produced, or I guess our producer, manager at SVS Learn, want to acknowledge him, is David Broad. Go check out his work at, what is his website, davidbroad.com? Google him. Check him out. He's a great photographer. And lastly, Lisa Fott. Special thanks to her for all of her social media work that she does to help spread the word uh, about SVS Learn. So that's it. Thanks, everybody. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye.